we had Terry Hendricks come out and play a show here about a year ago. She's a singer-songwriter in San Marcos, and I've been on her mailing list for years and uh, received the monthly newsletter um, back in January that talked about resilience. And it was an article she had posted before talking about her friends who had gone through difficult times and thinking about this idea of resilience. And she was looking up, what does it mean? You know, what's the dictionary definition? And it talked about basically buoyancy, people's ability to bounce back from difficult times. Um, or the mathematical kind of looking at it of how much pressure can be applied to something to where it can still uh, retain its shape, even though it's been bent and uh, broken a little bit, but then it'll come back and retain its shape. And she thought these were both exceedingly lacking when she thought of people with resilience, talking about being in the hospital with her mom and seeing a veteran walk in who had been obviously badly scarred and burned over most of his body and was re had recovered from that, but she didn't see that, she couldn't imagine that he, that was something that he just bounced back from. Um, that, as he said, after being bent, compressed, and stretched to the breaking point, that we don't go through the bowels of hell and make it out on the other side unscathed from the journey. Perhaps resilience is simply mastering the art of living. Whatever it is, I think the interim between the dark and the daylight is pure hell. And that's a pit you don't just bounce out of. You have to climb. You stick your hands into the sides of the unknown and claw until your nail beds peel back. Then you claw some more. That struck me deep in my soul when I read that. As to what resilience is like when hard times or tragedy strikes, we don't bounce back. We don't go through unscathed. We claw our way out of those pits. I thought of when uh, my friend Adam, uh, Noah's middle name, Noah Adam Sullivan, he's named for our, our friend Adam who died our last year in seminary. And uh, Adam was a guy that I had, for, I don't, I, it takes me a while to make really deep friends, close friends, and Adam it was instantly great friends. So Adam was like a brother, and uh, so when he died, I realized part of me had died too. I didn't bounce back from that. That took long. That took digging out of there. Um, and I didn't go through unscathed. Although, as we heard in our opening hymn this morning, God will take those scars, God will take that pain, and he'll work it to form something good in our lives. I think about the times when I've had crises of faith, um, questioning, doubting, wondering. Um, some have been, you know, shorter little bits. I wonder about this. Mm, I'm not sure. Others have been long. Some of them years long. Um, there was one in particular that was probably about three or four years long of a questioning and doubting. This was not when I was 12 or 14. This was when I was 26, 27, 28, right there when I was had just become a priest. And um, in the midst of this, I had a more acute kind of crisis of faith, and I wrestled with that until I finally got to the point I thought, all right, this is enough. This is, whatever I'm, I'm saying I believe right now, that's good enough for now. Um, I just couldn't keep wrestling anymore, but I knew that this underlying question was still there, but I figured, okay, I'll let it lie for now. So then, oh, a couple years later, then it really came to a head, and I had to decide, finally, do I believe this or do I not? Um, 
because I couldn't prove it. And that was my, you know, dad would tell me that 2 plus 2 equals 4, I needed to prove it to him, right? Uh, back as a kid. So I always had to have proof. I finally came to the conclusion that I'll never get proof and couldn't possibly know it the way I know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. And that finally did it for me. And I finally realized, oh, hey, not certainty. All right. And then I was good. But it took a lot of clawing and digging up to that point, and it hurt. So this thought that resilience is not something that we just bounce back from the difficult times or the tragedy, but it takes clawing out, really hit home with me. Now, looking at our gospel today, I don't know at what point Jesus realized that he was going to be betrayed and mocked and tortured and handed over to the chief priests and the scribes and ultimately killed in a violent and bloody way. But I'm guessing when he first realized that, there was a point in his life, he didn't grow up as a baby and just realize, I'm going to die in a terrible way. God, God. No, he realized at some point in his life, this was going to happen. And my guess is, it knocked him down. As we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was not overly thrilled with the idea. He asked God, please don't make me do this. But I will, if it's your will. That took resilience on Jesus' part to be able to continue on in his ministry. He knew, he knew that he was going to die this bloody and painful death, be deserted by his friends, and mock and scorn. And yet he still went about teaching about the joy of the kingdom of God. And he went about healing people. That took resilience. Jesus had to claw his way out of the pit of fear and despair to be able to go on with the daily living and the knowledge of this death that was coming. It took resilience for Jesus to do this, and it took resilience for his disciples to continue to be with him once they had this knowledge. Jesus told his disciples about his upcoming death and resurrection, partly so they would remember that he told them that and believe, but I think he also told them because he needed them there with him. Any of us have ever been in a pit of fear and despair in the darkness of being torn apart, we generally need friends with us. We need someone there to help us through that. Jesus needed his disciples there with him. And I think that's why his rebuke of Peter was so strong. When Peter says, no, Lord, this should never happen to you. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. Don't underestimate how much that stung Peter. Or how much Jesus really needed to say it. Because Peter was denying that this terrible thing was even going to happen. Like someone saying, oh, it's not that big a deal. So your parents just died. They were a whole. Who cares? Or whatever it is, it's not that big a deal. My stuff's worse than yours. Or it's not that big a deal. It'll be fine. And blow along. Well, that doesn't help, and that's what Peter was doing. And so he rebuked Peter pretty strongly. I think Peter probably needed the rest of the disciples to go back and say, what the heck just happened? <laughs> you know? 
and he needed them to help bring him out there too, which eventually he did. But he didn't just bounce back from that into a climb. Resilience requires friends and people to be with us. And sometimes we have to be alone in whatever darkness we're in. But then we also need friends to help pull us out. As Christians, we are people of resilience. We are dragged down into pits of darkness, of pits of fear and despair, just like everybody else. We don't get to get a pass on any of that. We're not alone, though. We're not alone because we have Jesus in there with us. And Jesus supports us, and when we start clawing, he helps lift us up a bit so that we can have some of his strength to help claw out of there. And we also have Jesus in the hands of our friends to help pull us out of there when we're ready. So we're not going through this alone. And we're not going to go through those processes unscathed, but we do go through with resilience and trusting in Jesus and trusting in the love of the friends that we have, trusting that he's gone through that same shame and hate and scorn with resilience and teaching us and teaching his disciples to go through and to claw ourselves out of that pit with him to help us, guide us, and then to heal our scars and make something worth of God's glory out of them. Amen. Amen.